When we talk about pursuing any road, in fact, when we talk about being in any state, we talk about several things being involved in this process of pursuit. And I'll, I'll tell you how, how they used to express, express these ideas. We talk about al-wujdan al-tabi'i wal-ilham al-fitri. In, in other words, al-wujdan al-tabi'i wal-ilham al-fitri is your intuitive state. What you know by instinct. This is the stuff that a, a, a child knows by just virtue of what they are. Or uh, uh, an animal knows just by virtue of what it is. Al-wujdan al-tabi'i wal-ilham al-fitri. Instinctive knowledge. You talk about al-hawas wal-masha'af. Feelings. Emotions. Become involved in the process. Three. Al-aqr wal-fikr wal-idraq wal-khayal wal-hibz. You talk about the intellectual processes. Al-aqr wal-fikr thought al-idraq consciousness becoming aware of something wal-khayal wal-hifz imagination and memory all of these involve cognitive ability so instinctive knowledge feeling rational knowledge or rational abilities rational not in sense of logic but rational sense it involves using the brain memory Imagination, the ability to think, the ability to notice things. And as we know, all of these things vary from one person to the other. So one person notices much more than another person. One person can remember much more than another person. One person can, is much more imaginative, creative than another person. One person can think much more intensely and deeply than another person. Finally, the set of guidelines that you have in life. And these are the instructions that you've received. Be they from tradition, be they from culture, be they from, from, from experiences, but they're rules that you set for yourself. I will never have seconds if it is past. 10 p.m. at night. That's a self-imposed rule. And it's a rule that comes from certain experiences. You might have had seconds after 10 p.m. and got a lot of gas. So you decided, I don't like that. It's not worth it. I don't want the gas. That's a guideline or rule, self-imposed. Or it might be, you simply were taught, it is highly inappropriate to have for guests to come and find your clothes on the couch. That's again a rule. It's not instinctive and it is not emotional in, in, and it is not necessarily cognitive. It is a rule that you've imposed. I don't want, my rule is guests should never come and find clothes on my couch. Now, when you put in the factor of Allah, and you're saying, Allah, 
I actively do the act of ibadah and seek your assistance, then you are actively, you want Allah in all these various four elements. Make my instincts true to you. Make my feelings closer to you. Make my cognitive abilities, my mind, my imagination, my memory tied to you, wedded to you. And make the rules, the guidelines that I follow come from you. It's as if each element in the Fatha builds on the other. Because when you started by the name of Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, you've opened the door because you've acknowledged that everything you have is by the Rahman and the Rahim. And we already covered that. And then you acknowledge your gratitude. And then you acknowledge Allah as the Rabb, Rabb, the, the, the upbringer, who's going to bring you up. I mean, when you think about your parents, for those who are close to their parents, you, they're close in the sense that, oh, you know, I want to know how I should feel about something from my mother. Or let's say you're very close to your mother. I want to know how I feel, should feel about something from my mother. I want to know about how I should think about something from my mother. I want to know what rules I should follow from my mother. Well, when you acknowledge God as your upbringer, you put God in that role. Allah becomes now that mother, that extremely, extremely close mother. And then you went on beyond that. You went a step beyond that to acknowledge God as actually the only reality. The only reality, in a sense, the only parent. In a sense, the only existence. And then you confirm that by saying, my worship is not going to be out of habit or tradition or culture. But it's going to be an act of an act of active, conscious commitment to you. And seeking your assistance. And then you say, now I want the sirat al-mustaqim, I want the path. This path is going to be bumpy. But what I am, what I do in life, what I do in life, or the way my consciousness rather is formed, the idrak is what they call the idrak. The consciousness is formed is by instinct, is by feelings, is by memory, thought, imagination, all in one category, cognitive abilities. And is by the guidelines and rules that are imposed. And I want them all to come from you. And sirat is the balance, is when all of these four elements are balanced in the way of Allah. So these, because you know, as you well know, there are a lot of people that their instincts conflict with their emotions, and their emotions conflict with their thoughts, and their thoughts conflict with their guidelines. So you know a lot of people who say, you know, I will never do, but every time it happens, they do. In other words, they, they, they have a rule, but they can never follow it. There are a lot of people who say, when you talk to them, they tell you exactly what is right. Right? I mean, they, they know what's right. as a matter of cogn cogn cognition. It's a matter of cognition. 
But when it comes to it, their emotions get the better of them every time. So, you know, someone says, oh, racism is absolutely wrong. That can't help be racist every time it happens. An imbalanced person. A person who the sirat has been denied to. Imbalanced. The thought processes are not reflected in the emotional status. Or a person, and you see this all the time as well. A person comes and says, you know, of course you guys wouldn't, but you know, I will not be involved in a crime. But have an incredible affinity to always end up ending up in a, in a criminal activity. Or I will not uh, um, involve myself in, I mean, especially here, the, the self-imposed rules like, I will not engage in this type of conduct, sexual conduct or otherwise. But every time the situation comes up, they don't come through. What is happening here is a state of imbalance where the, 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 the instinct and the emotions and the cognitive abilities, memory, imagination, creativity, all of that, and the rules and guidelines do not exist in harmony. They all exist as conflicting and sort of animosetic, antagonistic to each other. And what you then ask Allah to do is in the process of sirat, is the balance and the harmony of these elements in the way of God, from God, from Allah, so that you can exist in a state of balance, because if you are balanced, if you are a unit, and this you'll find in Ghazali, Hamad al-Ghazali uh, explained in his work, and Imam Harman al is that if you are in balance, you can sustain the bump, the bumpiness of a sirat much better. I mean, if Imagine if I am sitting in a bumpy air flight and my body is actually formed of three parts, unconnected. Every time the plane bumps, I separate. My head goes one direction, my torso goes another, my legs go a third. Why? I'm not connected. But if I am connected and balanced, I stay whole. No matter what the bumps are. It doesn't mean it doesn't disturb me. It doesn't mean I don't get hurt. It doesn't mean I don't even get injured. Yes, I might. I will. But I stay whole. I come back. I stay whole. Okay. So, all the four tatawazan fissirat. This is the way you would read it in, in the old text. Tatawazan, they become balanced. All the four that we talked about become balanced in the sirat. Sirat al-lazina an'amta alayhim. Umar, Abdullah ibn Zubayr, the two companions, Umar and Abdullah ibn Zubayr, read it differently. They read it, Sirat al-Lazina, instead, I'm sorry, instead of Sirat al-Lazina an'amta alayhim, they read it Sirat man an'amta alayhim. Instead of Sirat al-Lazina an'amta alayhim, they read it Sirat man an'amta alayhim. However, as a matter of tawatur, sirat al-ladina an'amta alayhim is far more mutawatir than sirat man an'amta alayhim. And consequently, it would, I cannot say that, that someone who reads the, 
uses the Qira'ah of Umar, or Abdullah ibn Zubair, their prayer is invalid. But I personally would suggest to them that they, they are not following the proper Qira'ah. This, of course, raises, if you notice, a very important point, because if you have a Muslim praying, praying today, and they say, Sirata man an'amta alayhim, the mosque will, 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 will rise in arms and tear them apart, especially if they insist on it. While, I mean, if, if it has survived in Islamic sources, and people as, as authoritative as Ibn Ishaq and Ibn Sham and Tabari and Qurtub and so on, did not think themselves qualified to kill it off, I don't understand how contemporary Muslims think that somehow they're endowed with all these powers by Allah. From where? I mean, if people that were far more knowledgeable and superior to them in piety and knowledge didn't think that they're endowed with these powers, I don't understand the arrogance of contemporary Muslims of thinking that suddenly they're empowered to do what throughout Islamic history the highest-ranking scholars did not think that they're empowered to do. Anyway, in other words, I would not call someone who read Surah Man and Amta Alayhim Kafir, or I would not say that the prayer is not accepted, but I would simply say that I disagree. It should be Surah Al-Ladeen and Amta Alayhim, the Sirat of those that you have blessed. Who are those who are blessed? The question is, okay, so it begs the question, so who are they? Quran 101, they said that the, uh, these are, and I'm not going to break it down by schools, I'm just going to tell you, tell you angels, the prophets, the, the prophets of past, and the believers of, in, in past books, and the, the, the prophet Muhammad, and, who, and whoever believed with him. But all of this doesn't give us any sense of the nature of those who have been blessed. The idea that it's being reaffirmed here, because the sirat is repeated again, sirat al-mustaqim, then it's repeated. Sirat al-ladina an'amta alayhim. But an'amta alayhim is not a definition of sirat. An'amta alayhim, those who have been blessed. The sirat of those who have been blessed does not define the sirat for you. It does not define the sirat. But it identifies the sirat. And that's an important distinction. Why? Because while it does not define the Sirat, it tells you, you want to identify the Sirat. Fine. Then no two things. One, an'amta alayhim been blessed. That the Sirat, to being given the Sirat, this, props, this, this state of balance, is a true blessing. True blessing. A gift, again, from Allah. Even if you search for it, the point in which you are given it is truly a gift, and you must never forget that. But two, it identifies the sirat. In other words, tells you, look for those who do have the balance and see how it could be done. This is very consistent with the whole notion in the Quran of learning from the signs of Allah of those who preceded us, of the past. When it keeps saying, don't you reflect, don't you, don't you examine, don't you look. When it's telling us to look, to look means to look at others. I mean, it's not going to be look, just look at, at the void. It's either look at myself or look at others. If I'm going to look at others, I'm going to learn from others. 
you often find simple minds, small brains, saying, I don't like to be compared to any other. You know what? It's, it's, a, it's a sign of, of a small brain. Oh, don't compare me to any other. Comparison, of course, is rude when you're doing it in order to humiliate an, a person. But learning, the essence of learning, is comparison. Can you learn anything? I defy you to bring me one piece of knowledge that can be acquired without reference to some other piece of knowledge. Impossible. Impossible. There is no piece of knowledge that can be acquired without reference to some other piece of knowledge. Something is tall because something is short. Something is short because something is tall. Something is black because something is white. Something is white because something is black. Something is sweet because something is bitter. Something is bitter because something is sweet. Something is ugly because something is beautiful. Something is beautiful because something is ugly. Everything, everything has a frame of reference of comparison. Everything, every piece of knowledge. Consequently, when, and I don't know if your experiences have ever been like that, but you can talk to some people and say, oh, don't, don't, you say, you know, well, why do you do this? Don't you see that others do this and so on? And they say, don't compare me to others. I don't like to be compared to others. Then you want to say that you are your self-definition. You are your own frame of reference. Well, if you are your own frame of reference and you are your own self-definition, then you are a god. You've just declared yourself a god. Because that's the only thing that doesn't have a frame of reference and doesn't have anything, doesn't, and the only thing that doesn't have a frame of reference and, only, and has a self-definition. All the rest of us are defined in relation to others. In fact, now here, remember Al-Alameen and all this stuff? In fact, we don't exist except in reference to others. Reflect on this. Because we don't exist except for the fact that we are mashhud. We are perceived. So, in other words, we don't exist except for the fact that we are these avi others. In relation to others. Death. Doesn't exist unless there is life. But life doesn't exist unless there is death. And you and I. Are, we are in the alam al-shahada. Not in the ghaib. And consequently we are mashhud. And because we are shahid. We are, also, we are shahid and mashhud. We allow others to exist and others allow us to exist. The sirat cannot be self-defined. And it cannot be self-proclaimed. And the sirat cannot be attained with don't compare me to others. I don't like to be compared to others. This, by the way, I have to tell you, this is a point when in, in our own training, a lot of time is spent on it, emphasized. Because the essence of arrogance is that refusal to be humbled by others. Is, is, is belief in what you are unrelated to the realities that exist. 
know your self-worth is to know what you are worth vis-a-vis others. You know, I, I tend to be more knowledgeable in this field. I tend to be less knowledgeable in this field. I tend to be more truthful than others about this, these types of issues. I tend to be less truthful than others about these types of issues. That's knowing who you are. Arrogance, and remember that we said the key to knowledge is humility. The lack of arrogance. Arrogance is to define yourself the way you please, simply because you want to be. Unrelated to any frame of reference or comparative basis. You simply want to be so you are. What does Allah say when Allah wants to create? Kun fayakun. Be so it is. Right? So in fact, again, you have just declared yourself a God. Because you've told yourself, kun fayakun. I am, so I am. I'm telling you, the Fatha has the key to the rest of the Quran and in fact to life. The Fatha is truly called the Fatha, the opening, the key. Because it is the key to existence. An'amta alayhim tells you, I, can, I will not define the sirat. I will identify the sirat. And I will identify the sirat by telling you, compare yourself by those who've been blessed, by the balance. It puts you on the method. Al-lazina an'amta alayhim. Ghayri. المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين. You would be taught in Quran 101 that غير المغضوب عليهم are the Jews. ولا الضالين are the Christians. So those you've blessed not the Christians or Jews. That's wrong. I mean, I feel comfortable saying, in my view, that's wrong. It has no basis. We have no report by the Prophet or Hadith or anything else which says that غير المغضوب عليهم is, is, is uh, Jews and the, the Christians and 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 are the, the, the Christians. Rather, it connotes... Oh, by the way, and, and uh, Omar, and Omar... The Qira'ah of Umar is غير المغضوب عليهم وغير الضالين In the Qira'ah of Umar غير is repeated twice غير المغضوب عليهم وغير الضالين So if you are praying behind someone who reads it this way غير المغضوب عليهم وغير الضالين They're following the Qira'ah of Umar Again, I, I, I would disagree with this. I think that you can't uh, Maghdub alayhim comes from the word ghadaba. Ghadaba means what? Angry. Right? Maghdub alayhim angry with. Don't make us those uh, that you are angry with. And those that are misguided, lost. Dalin, lost. What's the distinction between the two? The Dalin which is the easiest, are the ones that are lost because they have not been guided. No one has really shown them their way. They're lost. It might be their fault they're lost. 
because they simply don't want to stop and read the map. You know, like a lot of men driving in a car. No, 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 I'll figure it out. I don't want to read the map. I don't want to read the map. Well, you're lost, and it's your fault. Stop and read the map. Take the time. But they're very different than al-maghdub alayhim. Al-maghdub alayhim, those that are God is angry with. Angry with why? Because they are in a state of ingratitude. They are not merely lost. But they actively and persistently remain lost. So in other words, remember the, those who pray? And we said, those who pray and commit al-fahsha' wal-munkar? Aha. They're not lost. They're maghdub alayhim. They're not merely lost. They know what the way is, and they persist in violating the way. They persist in breaking the laws. Not just the laws, the technical laws, but persist in rejecting what they declare to Allah that they're going to accept. This is an act of juhud, called juhud, from jahada, ingratitude. Keep in mind this, who has lost their way and who, in fact, insists on remaining lost through their ingratitude. Because it's very different. The quality of people are very different. Then you end with Ameen. If you open your Quran, you will find there is no Ameen written there, right? It ends, Now, where does Ameen come from? From the Sunnah. Because of the reports that we've received that the Prophet can say, Ameen. Ameen means in Arabic, and it's not, it's a word with a non-Arabic etymology, but it was used by Arabs to mean, Rabbi if'al. Rabbi if'al or Rabbi la tukhayyib. Rabbi if'al, God, please do. La tukhayyib, la tukhayyib, what? Do not, do not fail us. Do not fail our hopes. La tukhayyib raja'ana. Don't disappoint our, our hopes. So, I mean, basically, is you asking God in a single word form of, please don't disappoint us. Please give it to us. In Islamic law, the disagreement is about must the Amin be pronounced out loud by the Imam in prayer, or must it not? So if the Imam say must they say Amin, and the rest say Walad, you know, they say Walad and the rest say Amin, should it be pronounced like that, and the Imam say it with them Amin, or alternatively the Imam would just stay quiet and everyone else would say it, or no one would say it, say Walad and that, that's it. And then everyone would say it silently or quietly, Amin, Amin in themselves. And then, Allahu Akbar, and you go to the uh, rakah. That's the point of disagreement. Now, in nowadays, because we, the Wahhabi Islam reads it, Walad Dalin, Amin, everyone replies, Amin, that's the way it's done. 
and no one really knows that there is this disagreement. But in in Jafari law or in Shia prayers, the, the, the Amin is not done this way. And that's, that's a legitimate Sunni position as well. I mean, so some of the very funny things that when you find the Sunni say, oh, well, the Shias don't say Amin, that, that's, so how, how could the prayer be valid? But that's a highly controversial issue whether Amin should be said out loud or silent. And in fact, the majority view is that it shouldn't be said out loud. That it is, that you simply uh, say, well, Dali and go, Okay, final point about the Fatha is the Fatha, which as we said is the, the door, the key, the rest of the Quran. Oh, uh, I forgot something. When it says, remember, it says worship before it details to you. It's actually, you could have it at the end of your footnotes, at the end of your notes, because it has to do with the idea of the Fatha being the key. When it says, It gives you the idea of active worship before you know the details of prayer. The details of prayer are going to come later in the Quran. But the principle of active worship is is firmly established now, at the very beginning. In that sense, truly, if you think about it, the Fatha is the key to the Quran. In fact, the key to life. The key to existence. The key to reality. The key to understanding. The key to perception. The Fatha is a contract, a covenant between you and God, between you and Allah, Every time you read it. Because guess what? You might not be aware of this. But you are making promises. You are making promises. You are saying, by your name, I, w- I thank you. Be my upbringer and I will be this and this and that. And then you make requests. You are promising God certain behavior and you are saying, and in return, God, I, I'm requesting this from you. What am I requesting, God? I'm requesting that you give me your, your rahmah in a specific sense. I am requesting that you show me the sirat. I am requesting that you make me a balanced and integrated human being. I am requesting that you not make me lost in this world. And I'm requesting that you not be angry with me. I am making all these requests. Now imagine, imagine this. Imagine if there is a student that comes into my office. And every time says, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. Can I have, can I have, can I have? And then when I come to that student and I say, okay, I say, Oh, I didn't really think about it when I was making all these promises and when I was making all these requests. I just do this of every professor I I study with. In other words, sort of pro forma, out of habit. Imagine the offense and the offensiveness of the situation. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to come into my office, make all types of promises, make all types of requests, and then tell me I don't really care enough I don't respect you enough 
to actually mean any of them. So consequently, the Fatha must be read as it is, as a key and as a reorientation to life. And we, believe it or not, finish the Fatha. 